Masechet Megillah, Perek Dalet Mishnah Yod. We learned above in the fourth Mishnah of this prayer that it was customary to have someone translate the public Torah reading into Aramaic so that the people would understand it. Our Mishnah teaches that certain passages should not be translated because their content is inappropriate for the general public. For the same reason, certain passages from the prophets should not be read as the Haftarah. In the sense of the Mishnah, the weekly Haftarah were not set. Rather, each congregation could select a passage to read as the Haftarah. So number one, Ma'aseh Ruven Nikra Velot Metargem. The story of Ruven, as in Ruven went and lay with Bilha, his father's concubine, is read but not translated so as not to shame Ruven. The Gemara says that it is a mistake to think that Ruven sinned. What really happened was that after Rachel died, Yaakov moved his bed from her tent to the tent of Bilha, Rachel's maidservant. Ruven felt that this was an insult to his mother Leah, and so he moved moved the bed into Leah's tent. Ma'aser Tamar Nikra Umitargem, the story of Tamar, in which Tamar was violated by Amnon, may be read as a Haftarah and even translated. However, the Pesukim that refer to Amnon as the son of David may not be read as will be taught below. Ma'aser Egel Harishon Nikra Umitargem, the first telling of the story of the Egel Hazahav, the golden calf, in Shemot is read and translated. Now, although this story reflects badly on the Jewish people, reading it in public benefits them because the embarrassment caused by the reading helps them to turn from their sin. Vahasheni, however, the second story, okay, in later on, Nikra uh, Volomitargem is read and not translated. Since the second telling describes Aharon as being responsible for the golden calf, we do not translate it out of respect for him. Birkat Kohanim, similarly, the priestly blessing in Bamidbar is read and not translated because it contains the words may God show you his countenance which might be understood by some people as meaning that God favours the Jewish people even though they do not deserve it. These people would fail to recognise to realise that the Jewish people do in fact deserve God's favour. The, story, the verses in the story of David and Amnon that refer to Amnon as the son of David are not read or translated. Although this story, referred to earlier as the story of Tamar, may be read and translated as the Mishnah taught above, these particular verses must be omitted out of respect for David. Even the verses in the Torah that may not be translated must be read because you are obligated to read the entire Torah in the synagogue. The books of the prophets, however, need not be read in public in their entirety. Therefore, a problematic section from the prophets should not even be read. In Maftrin Bamerkava, we may not read the account of the chariot, Ma'asemerkava, the first Perek of Yecheskel as a Haftarah, because upon hearing its mystical description of heaven, people might ask questions about it and seek to examine its secrets, which is inappropriate for all but the greatest Torah scholars. The vision of heaven experienced by the prophet Yecheskel is called Ma'asemerkava because it describes angelic beings bearing the throne of God like horses drawing a chariot. The wisdom contained in that passage is of such secret nature that it may not be taught to anyone explicitly. Rather, the teacher may give any broad outline to a scholar who is perceptive enough to infer the details on his own, as we'll learn in Masechet Chagiga. The Rebbe Huda, Matir Rebbe Huda, permits reading it as a haftarah, because people who cannot understand it will not try to delve in its meaning. If the listener is a scholar, he will realise that the meaning of these verses is beyond his understanding. If he's not a scholar, he will not ask anyone because he presumably knows that he is unworthy of being answered. And the Halakha follows Rebbe Huda. We read as the Haftaran Shavuot. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, In Maftirin Behoda et Yushalayim, we will not read the 16th parak of Yechezkel, which begins, Make known to Yushalayim all of her abominations as a Haftarah, because it speaks of the degradation of Jerusalem. Have, well, no, not have a great day. Uh, congratulations on completing Masecha Megillah. We're now going to start Masecha Mokatan. There is a separate introduction. Um, covering what we're going to uh, cover in this Masechta as a separate episode. So let's just dive in.
to Perek Mod Katan, Perek Aleph, Mishnah Aleph. Now, all the Melacha is generally prohibited on Cholomoed. One may do Melacha to prevent loss or damage. Davar Ha'avet. However, this is permitted only when one does not need to expend, expend excessive effort. If a Melacha entails great effort, it is prohibited even for the sake of averting a loss. This Mishnah discusses how these rules affect the Melacha of watering a field. Okay, watering fields is forbidden under the Melacha of planting. Zoraya, because it helps plants to grow. So, so how did these rules affect the Melacha of watering a field in Cholmoed? It also mentions in the Shemitah year when certain field-related work is also forbidden. Every seventh year, Shemitah, it is forbidden to do most types of agricultural work in Eretz Yisrael. We may water a field that requires constant irrigation on Cholmoed and on Shemitah. Now, Bet HaShelachin is a field that requires constant irrigation. So literally a tired or thirsty field, meaning that it cannot survive on rainwater alone. It must be constantly watered by other means or the crops will be permanently damaged. Now, Cholomoed is referred to in these Mishnayot as Moed, Bamoed. Okay, now, so we can water a field that needs irrigation on Cholomoed and on Shemitah. Now, even though watering is usually forbidden on Cholomoed, a person is allowed to water a field that needs constant irrigation because if he does not do so, his crops will be damaged. As stated above, one may do a Melachah on Cholomoed that prevents fur. Prevents loss or damage. During Shemitah, however, a person may water a field, uh, even a field that does not require constant irrigation, but can usually survive on rainfall alone. The Mishnah specifies a field that requires constant irrigation because only in that case is watering permitted even on Cholmoed. Okay, now, so we can do this, we can water this field. Okay, furthermore, he may take water for this purpose either from a new spring which emerged recently or from an old spring which did not emerge recently. Although the size of a new spring are weak, he may use its water. We are not concerned that they might collapse and that he will come to exert great effort in repairing them. As mentioned earlier, work repairing great effort is prohibited on Cholmoed even to prevent a loss. The Mishnah now cites cases in which watering such a field is forbidden on Cholmoed even though it is needed to prevent a loss. Aval, ein mashkin. However, we cannot water it by diverting water from a pool of rainwater to one's field with his foot even though that does not involve great effort. So you use one's foot to form a groove in the ground from the spring to the field allowing the water to flow down his own. All with water drawn from a well with the bucket, which does require great effort, since taking water from a well is forbidden due to the effort. The Chachamim also prohibited taking water from a pool of rainwater where little effort is involved, because if that were permitted, people might think using a well is also permitted. And one more case in which the Melacha is forbidden on Cholomite even to prevent a loss. We may not make ditches around the roots of grapevines to collect rainwater, because that too requires great effort. The last two prohibitions watering from collected rainwater or a well and digging ditches around vines apply only on Cholomoed and not on Shemitah. During Shemitah, there is no restriction on great effort. Have a great day.